a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Good old boys. I'm Mark. Bog beef. Here we are. You ready? We we we've got a monster here, near and dear to our hearts. You know, the, the other day I was listening to podcasts, and they had a um, smart people, and they had a uh, political house dressing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you do too. It's Caesar. And yeah, I'm gonna listen to. It, I was thinking, yeah, it's not really us, and I don't mean that we're apolitical or something like that, or like you know the old blogging heads. This is just the, the the trust tree, and anything goes here. Yeah, the dialectics. Yeah, the the salon, and that, that's another way. But you know, I was thinking, I was like, that's not really us either. <laughs> we're we're conspiracy theorists. I think this is one of the reasons why we we do this show like that is that so conspiracy theories are great and but one of the things about conspiracy theories they always claim to explain everything in the world everything in the world is because of lead paint the flemish yeah everything's the history of conflict oh oh oh, well be careful don't don't get us canceled the libtard one is as soon as as soon as people figure out how to print newspapers personal freedom yeah yeah, and that, that and uh, we're gonna be, we'll, we'll be back there later. Okay, but so, so one of the things about this is that you, if you like these stories, you can't drink it in while you are. Um, well, uh, wait a minute. What about you know what what about ninth uh, century China? This doesn't fit the model. <laughs> like we have a guest on our podcast, or when we're doing what we're gonna be doing here tonight, baseless speculation. <laughs> yes, let. Let, let me in. Let, let me fill your mind full of full of uh, bullshit. If we have somebody on here that thinks everything in the world is be, be because of uh, you know the Coriolis effect or whatever, <laughs> I want the best version of that to come out. I want you to get everything that that can all. I want the bar rag to be squeezed as hard as it can. I want you to walk away from that episode for at least fifteen minutes, being like, "That's it. There's no, there." I never need to read another book. <laughs> That's our goal: is to make sure you never have to read again. Yes, and then you know, and next week we just like, well, you know, there's a, we're on the next thing. That, that's okay. Yeah, you, it's impo- It's good. It, you should do that because for one thing, it's the only way you're going fi- to figure out if you are wrong about something is by, or you know, more likely you can pick and choose piece, bits and pieces of different things and kind of put them together like a Frankenstein to your understanding of the world. That's a, that's the smart way to do things, in my opinion. Yes. We we do have some house stuff in terms of politics. Uh, we we you know, I will always do my best. Uh, well, I mean, I don't have to, to force it, but I mean, so, you know, we do the pager stuff and, and all those things, but it's not like you're here to, like, we're going to lead, we're going to do politics. Like, you might be totally different than me, like, uh, in socioeconomic class, or we might have totally different goals or whatever. So that, that has nothing really to do with it. I mean, unless you're exactly like me, we probably won't, we probably won't have the same political goals and shit. But uh, what I do need to do is entertain you. That's that's kind of that's kind of the game plan here, and uh, and then we're going to try to to do our best here tonight. We've got a hell of a theory here. Now it, it's kind of in the water a little bit, like like um, because I'm a redneck. I grew up in a culture that glorified guns. We love our guns. How old were you the first time you shot a gun? I I can't remember. I you've seen pictures of me yeah. with with a gun. You were under eight, right? Oh yeah, I'm yeah. like oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. I mean, this is this this is normal to us. Yeah, um, I had a I had a papoose when I was very young. And to be honest, I didn't I didn't run around in the woods with it as much as uh, uh, the slingshot. Uh, that uh, that would think. Well, anyways, um, <laughs> gu- guns were, were everywhere. I've I'm to this day. It's just always been part of my life. I load my own ammunition. Hell yeah! One of the one of the political stories, the the big political story you hear with like conservatives and, and guns exist so that like the government is scared of you, mm-hmm. and you you'll shoot you'll shoot them, and, and like that's maybe uh, like that version of it is not this story that you're going to hear today. Let's start at, at the very beginning. Choosing the best way to do it. I always want. I, I never want to assume that if you hear me explaining something that, that's 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 super basic, don't be like, "Oh, this is this guy talking down to me." Who does this? I do that all the time. I have no common sense. I need everything <laughs> explained to me from first principles. And don't we all these days? Like it's <laughs> we're little monsters. We learn everything from like 
YouTube videos and all this <laughs> bullshit, and it's like it's super basic. Um, and let's start at the real basics. What is a gun? It's a tube, and you put a projectile in it, and, and the other end of it, you put some gunpowder, and you light the gunpowder, and it shoots the thing out really fast. Yes. And you, you might laugh at that, but this story goes way back. I'm talking, there, there. what he described, you see if you ever shot like a potato can or something like that, In the, I'm talking like in the 800s. I mean, way back. Way back. They had that. They they had a gun. It was called a handgun. It was, it was not very effective, but it was gunpowder. It was a lead ball. It was a tube and on a stick. Yeah, at least they, it, it was not very useful at all in the beginning. There, there's one of those, uh, you know, those things where they, they glue the little macrame pictures together. <laughs> Mosaic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, there's a siege and there's the handgunners there. Now they're they're just a tiny part of the picture. And now what you really see in that picture and what where we where we have to go for the story is you see badass knights. Knights. Everyone knows what knight. Remember the Joker was in that movie where he he uh <laughs> The Dark Knight? Uh <laughs> No, not that. The one where um he, he he time travels and uh you know and uh marries some blonde girl um become first night <laughs> first night was a Richard Gere movie in the 90s are you talking about that shitty Michael Crichton movie it was it was definitely Batman Christian Bale no it was no <laughs> it it was the <laughs> it was the the guy with the smile he's Ledger. yeah oh that's Joker Oh wow! <laughs> I need to work on my pop culture. Sorry, it was Joker. <laughs> so, on a basic level, what's a knight? He was trained to fight on horseback. Usually, uh, he had a lot of armor. He, and he, more importantly, he like his job was to be a fighter. It yes. wasn't. A, it wasn't a part time gig for him. Which you could learn all about in Heath Ledger's 2001 <laughs> film. A Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale. <laughs> Get off my ass. <laughs> Batman Joker was the difference. Yes, this is a guy on a horse. This is a guy completely covered in armor. This is a guy who... He has a class position too, by the way. Yes. He kills people for a living. Now... You know, his basic relations to the peasants. The, the peasant, you know, the pe- the peasant works the fields. For, you know, look, this is none of these things sound so primitive to talk about. What, is this, what does the guy do all day? That's one of my favorite questions people ask. Is like, uh, you know, they ask famous people, like, what do you do all day? And and people, you know, they'll 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 really answer. Michael Drew would be like, "Well, I wake up at seven o'clock. Think, you know, I have my coffee. Think about that. This is important, right? So if you think about this 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 peasant, they're they're doing agricultural work all day. Um, you know, that that's that's labor, but that doesn't make you a, a good fighter. I tried to think about this and get myself into the moment when I was in when I was in high school. I was all in on sports. I played. I played three sports, and um, I was in really good shape. So I'm trying to compare myself to to someone who does agricultural work for a living. That's that's hard ass work, right? So they're, they're going to be in good shape, so they, but they're not they're not like a full time athlete. They're not someone that they're, it's not like someone who's you know eating protein all day and their life is centered around being badass. But it's someone that's in good shape. So I always think about. So I I got, so I'm in, I'm in that I was in that zone. So I was like you know in my early twenties. You know I'm drinking a lot and stuff. But but I had. I've been in really good shape a little while ago, you know, a couple years ago. So I'm just, and, um, you know, we were frat boys. We, we, like, uh, we would fight. One time we timed, there was, we, there we timed this, right? So we're, we would have boxing matches, wrestling matches, and I, I fought a guy. You know, I was shocked when I found out. I was tired in, like, 90 seconds. Did you see when uh, Rogan had Tyson on recently, they were talking about you know, the difference between being in good shape and in fighting shape. And it's just the fighting, sh- being in fighting shape as a boxer, which is all about stamina. And Tyson said, you know, he worked, he worked on the bags for like to, to cut a promo and the next day he couldn't get out of bed. That's the difference between, you know, being fit and being in fighting condition. 
Y- yes, and th- this this sounds like we're labor important, but this this is really this is really important. Okay, so if you can have a really hard workout, but if you've never like wrestled somebody or something, it's completely different. It's com- you get tired immediately. They call it being gas. This is why, like, a, like, um, I mean, there are boxers that are like professional boxers that can fight for like, like four minutes total, and that's it. You're good at your yoga class or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. There's a no. There's another level that sort of comes when you can, when someone sort of dedicated their life to this. They're doing this all the time. Mental aspect too, not just physical, because uh, it's terrifying to be in 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 any kind of war. But it's really scary when you got to fight somebody hand to hand. Yes. And that's not something that you can just put a, put a weapon in somebody's hand and get them to do successfully. One of my favorite things was podcasts because I don't think any other podcast could say this, but this this I say I can say this and mean this is that dying is bad, and it's really scary to have someone trying to kill you. And I mean that that's not a joke sentence or anything. That's an important part of the story is that um, it's really scary to die. This is a game for professionals. Someone, you know, someone that's kind of a badass. They can't, they can't fight. They can't wrestle. They can't box for six rounds, but a professional can do it. This guy fights for a living. He kills people for a living. They're extremely badass. This guy's covered in armor. Uh, you know, when a knight would defeat another knight, it, it could take them a couple minutes to get past this shell he's in. Like, you, you would take, like, a little dagger and try to, like, pull pry apart a little scale to slip, get a knife in there. I don't want to give the impression that this is, like, a historical anomaly. Like, this is something that was only true in the Middle Ages. If you went back to the Bronze Age, you had nobles and minor nobles riding around in chariots with horses. It, they, they, they were performing the same function and uh the, in the early like the earliest wars between empires they were like the most important guys on the battlefield and going back to what we were talking about fear of death and and you know the measure of men and, and stuff alexander the great he basically won the war and conquered the world because uh the king of persia pussied out twice and ran away from the battlefield this is how important this is how important in those pre-modern battles it, you didn't. People didn't die when the armies first met, like they're standing face to face fighting. The real dying happens when one side gets scared and breaks, and then they just run them down like dogs. Yes, for most people, even in the normal combat, the guy that killed you looked you in the eyes. Yeah, uh, this is like a, a a Manson murder instead of like yeah. a, you know, in, instead of like a, oh, you know, he got his arm blown off. This is this is some real deal shit. I, I can already, you know, the, the corny accusations. Like, oh, they think a knight was the most badass guy in the world. Well, uh, they were, but you, there's there's a couple there's just a couple things it takes to make it so that peasants are useless against this guy. You know, it's like, uh, well, how do you organize a group of them? Have you ever done this? You have to put your ass on the line it's really scary to die and and by the way you know it's scary for the knight to die but number one this is all he does this is all he's ever trained to do and he's getting something out of it yeah and second off he's covered in this fucking armor um this extremely expensive armor no random asshole can get this armor no and you know the uh the guild rules of ransoming each other let's just ignore that well we, we said what they are but why do they exist What's their what's their place in in feudal society? What well, we we could do that patronage way, right? It, it, it is the most basic form of it. Like yes. they're given they're given lands from from their the their liege, and they they have to, they have to defend it. That's part like that's part of their obligation to defend it. But they're getting kicked up to from the peasants, and the peasants have obligations to the knights, into their into their nobles. But in return, they get protection. Yes. There, there's um, this part may be contested, but it's it's kind of don't beat me up on this. Things get really hairy in the Middle Ages after the Roman Empire falls. You know, people are starving, and random like random thugs, highwaymen will come kill you. You have this thing developed where you live on this you live in this guy's lands. You don't own anything. You work the fields. You give him a certain amount of stuff. At the end of the day, your farm labor under this guy. You work the land. You give him a certain amount. He kicks up a certain amount to his guy. This guy is, I don't know if you want to drop the bomb on them on, on the state question. Well, so if you're, if you're living west of the Oda River in this time period, like this, 
what we're describing, it somewhat resembles like the structure of your of your uh, society, and like that, that it, it, you loosely call it a state, right? Mm-hmm. And what it, like, on its basic level, what is a state? This this question, everyone has heard what we're about to say before. This comes up like usually this uh, this is a, a, the disaster point of arguments. But I, this libertarians talk about this a lot. Marxists talk about this a lot because it's one of these quite like if you if you're a deep theory question person, at some point some asshole pushes the conversation so far that you have to go, okay, what the fuck is a state? And you you know what the answer is? It's the monopoly on violence. Yeah, you couldn't kill a fucking deer in his territory. To simplify it, you pay taxes to the baddest motherfucker where you live, whether that's the Italian mafia, whether that's the government, the United States government. You know, you can riot and do all kinds of stuff. Don't pay your taxes. Don't don't pay a speeding ticket. Um, if, you, if you think the, the government doesn't exist or the government's inefficient or the government's falling apart, don't don't pay it. Don't pay a bill. You're going to meet the government. They're going to show up. That's the government. And that's the state in terms of what we're talking about. And that's the knight. He's a bad motherfucker. You pay your taxes to him. And that, that's, that's sort of the extent of the deal at this point. Yeah, and kings are kings at this point. They're not they're not like a strong a strong central authority. Like everything's extremely decentralized. That's the whole point. That's why you have that's why you have what are essentially like little mafias running everything. And the king needs these guys, and uh, they need the peasants, and the peasants uh, don't really have a choice in the matter. Or I guess if you can, if you want to look at it in the in the trad way, the peasants need them too. Now this night, he's a man of war. That's his job. Who's involved in that? At this point, going to be certain amount of peasants conscripted to fight, but uh, it's going to be very sim- like there are incredibly small numbers of people like these like great battles in medieval history. If you want to beat me up on specifics, uh, well, you know, take a class on medieval history. It's a mess. There's a zillion things of uh, of going on, but the main point is that um, in general. Um, fighting is not part of the deal between the peasant and the knight. Um, you don't have to fight for him. Raiders show up. You're going to defend your village, but um, he doesn't. He doesn't ask you to uh, go st- go. Uh, you know, take land with him. Not not in the sense that we think of conscription, modern conscription. Like there were some, but yeah, it wasn't a thing that you were going to expect every able-bodied young man to do. A, it's not really part of the deal, and the reason why it's not part of the deal is that it's not worth it. Yeah, you got to give him something to make to get him to do that. Yes, you, you're this peasant. Um, if he was going to take you with him to, uh, you know, across across the Rhine to go capture another guy's knight, first off, he's got to give you a weapon. You would have to like be worth the shit. Like you would have to like be able to do something with it. If you're and if he's going to train you, that's all this time that you are not. That's all this time that you aren't farming and all this stuff. Second off, the the relationship between you guys is going to change once. He teaches you how to kill people. Yeah. You you could kill him. And generally throughout history, societies have always wanted to limit the number of people involved in war because uh, it's dangerous to arm the peasants if, you're, if you plan on using them in a way they don't like. That requires giving up some of your own power. Yeah. The key thing here is still like so you know it's still melee combat and all this shit. So first off, if you're if you're an amateur, you're you're not very good. You can't learn on a job either because you're dead after after you after you screw up. Yes. You know attacking stuff. There's just no way that it's worth it. Now what the end result of this thing where it's no way it's worth it is that war is just it's not really your business. If some other guy kills your knight, well. Then you belong. There's you have a new manager. Yeah, board fires your CEO. What's it? What's it matter to you? Your life might not change a lot. Yeah, you're just kind of this resource, and uh, these guys fight and do all this stuff. You know that violence, that monopoly on violence, is an important thing. That you you just aren't involved in that whatsoever at this point. As I said before, there's there's a lot of exceptions. There's infinite exceptions. There's that that Yale medieval history uh, course that's that's on YouTube. It's wonderful. I remember that guy. He was like, "I'm just going to teach you about like he teaches the medieval history through the heresies." <laughs> okay. So you walk away from this class just knowing you know about the Aryans. You don't know who is the king of this and that because it's, it's too many. It's a mess. And so now we have the story of the guns. 
There are two parallel stories going on at the same time that mirror this story. And th- they they have to be mentioned. Yeah, you can go back to the Bronze Age and there were guys, nobles zippling around in chariots like fighter pilots with giant dicks. They're just having a blast at the kings of the battlefield, sometimes literally. And then at some point, people figured out, hey, you know what? We can just give a bunch of assholes really long sticks with, with points on the end of them and we can stop that. Like, you, sorry guys, pack it up, go home. And in the Middle Ages, the same thing happened in the low countries with burgers with crossbows and pikes they did the same thing yes you can sort of extrapolate a lot from this but it will just drop it as a minor point is that this bow and this crossbow you don't have to stand next to the guy to kill him yeah that's really important for you the the person that becomes important in the story it's the peasant that's me and you yeah imagine a horse a guy on a horse Running at you at full speed, just like taking away the training and all that stuff. Yes, we're me, you and me. Uh, we're 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 peasants. You listening to this, this show? You're you're a peasant like me, and it's really scary to fight, like stare somebody in the face and kill them. That knight can do it. That's all he. That's all he knows how to do. But you and I, um, you know, I might could pull a trigger. You know, standing far away. Uh, that's a big part of the story. Okay, sorry. Let me explain. So the a bow is kind of like a mix between the the two different things that we're talking about. Not any jerk can pull a bow, but you can you can take a peasant and you can make. He could be a weekend warrior with a long bow. Yeah, you need him so many days a year. He needs to keep training a little bit but he can mostly keep working the field but he's but he's a trained warrior so he's kind of a mix between the things and so that kind of messes up our story a little bit because he's kind of in between i don't think so it's it, it's a previous cycle it like i said these things are cyclical so it's just, it, we're, that's we're talking about an old cycle we're, but we're moving on to the right but but he's in between now the more now the closer example is the crossbow any asshole can shoot, can aim and shoot a crossbow and kill somebody dead with one. What's notable here is there's a couple smart people that see this thing and they go, this could change the fucking class system. The Pope tries to ban it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, okay, that that that's one way of looking at it. And, but you can also say... Because of the class, like especially like in the low countries, in the low countries, like we've talked about, you've talked about this a lot as a joke. You know, they 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 invented later on, they invented capitalism. They've always been a little bit, a little bit different. You know, at this point, they weren't as bought into the feudal system as their neighbors, and so there was not only was there a need, but there was an opportunity here. It's like, hey, we can just give. Like we have all these tradesmen in the city. That's how we do things. That's how we make our money here. Well, we can give them bows and stuff and train them. That's fine. It's not a problem. But in our grand theory, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, but uh, we're uh, because of we're 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 Alex Jonesy. We're we're grand theory. The 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 weapon asks first, and I think that's especially in England. That's I'm almost certain that's true. Is that these guys were like, yeah, we could give these chavs fucking bows. We, we, it, <laughs> And some guys like, well, you're gonna have to give them some rights. The, the reason why it's important, especially with the crossbow, because it, it, it's a lot like the other thing. But it, it's just a little note. The reason why it's important is people already thought the Pope saw this, and he was a smart guy. He saw this thing, and he's like, that little toy you have there could change the class system. Hold that. Set that aside. What the fuck? What do you mean a crossbow could change the class system? push that away so that was our short piece on distractions on on the crossbow and the bow part of the story but not the story the real story here is the idea that these guys who are training for war their existence really is like a mafia racket you reach a point in both social development and technological development where you don't necessarily need that anymore because any idiot with a bow or a gun or whatever can shoot that guy and kill him. You know, we told you about the primitive guns at the beginning. Guns are developing all through the, the time period of this. Uh, you know, Henry VIII, um, you know, this very, uh, you know, he had this beautiful armor they have on this. Henry VIII had like a division of riflemen. Uh, it, well, you wouldn't say riflemen, but uh, they, they look they look just like a modern rifle. Sorry, yeah, musketeer. Guns are developing the whole time. They're around, they're here and they're there. Metallurgy is getting better, which is very important here. So the, the these guns just keep getting better, but 
but not much else has changed. The classism isn't changing. The, 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 the big main themes aren't changing. The problem is always scale. I was talking earlier about the Bronze Age, and that was about you know, so three thousand years, uh, three thousand years BC to like one thousand BC, roughly. Right. This is like the first, the first empires, the first, the the first states, really. The anything we recognize as a government, and the first armies, every everything. When this, when this all began, and how did it end? We we know a little bit, but not a lot. We don't even know really who the people were that destroyed those like great states of the bronze age but we do know one of the a couple of the reasons why and one of the important reasons was because people who lived like in the armpit of the balkans learned how to uh work iron and uh, iron's everywhere it anybody like you could you could find it everywhere and once once you were able to make your own weapons instead of having to go find tin in britain or whatever and ship it all the way across Europe. Everybody now could have a weapon, and that meant that these hordes of people could go into these settled societies that had been around, you know, that were had been around five hundred, a thousand years themselves, and just wipe it out. Yes, bronze was very expensive and very scarce. Yeah, tin's not very. It's, it's, there's not a lot of it in the in the world. Think of it like it's like oil. If you had if you had it, you were set, and if you didn't have it, you were you were screwed. And what if tomorrow we found a replacement for oil that was everywhere? It would change. It, things would change rapidly overnight. Yeah, it's that scale, man. Overall, this is a story of scale. Europe is there's a million kings of everything. Each block has some mafia asshole that runs it, and they're always trying to get from each other. There's, there's always a war going on and stuff. And war is really just uh, you know, it's like one, uh, you know, this one drug dealer thinks he can rob the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know these guys were they were just thugs and so remember we've got all we've got this long time period where these knights are just unstoppable badasses but there's there's one you know there's like one knight for every thousand people let me let, let, let's look at it a different way okay as guns get better and easier to use that's we think of it like well that the knights must have hated that and they did but this is not bad for everyone this is an opportunity for the the kings if, if you're the ruler of a, of a large area, this is great news for you because that means you don't need the knights anymore. You don't need, they don't need to be part of the chain, like the patronage network anymore. You could just pay some mercenaries with some, with some rifles and pikes and, and do your fighting for you and eventually, and eventually something else. But you, so you, we shouldn't think of like the nobles as, as one block of people like the, what what I sort of mean is sort of like in the in a video game sense that like um this uh you know this jack off uh, running around this horse he's he looks like he's at a you know that that medieval times restaurant <laughs> yeah what you can beat this guy with is you can take random assholes you can give them a stick with a knife on the end of it and you get a bunch of guys with guns that are random assholes they just know how to point this gun and pull the trigger you surround the guys with the with the guns. With the guys with the spears, uh, hey, we're going to poke you if you bring your horse up here. And while these guys are shooting, and now now the knight is no longer invincible. You've got this horse and this fuck in this lance, like a, like his old movie and shit. I, well, I'm going to point a gun and blow your fucking head off. And I am just some idiot. I'm just, a far, I'm just this peasant guy. And I'll just blow your head off. The class structure is buttressed by this, this 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 arrangement of who can kill who and stuff. This this is an issue. So they got around it temporarily for a, a hundred year period. You would just hire professional professional armies composed musketeers and pikemen and stuff like who who were just who worked for the highest bidder. They didn't they didn't care. But uh, they they worked through that pretty quickly. Like this this was kind of one of the situations where you're uh, borrowing. You, you're you're running on credit. Yes. For a short period of time while you readjust to the new reality. That that arrangement there, a little bit, I'm fudging the details because that's not, they weren't really peasants. They they really were the, these, these kind of, uh, these mercenary guys. Like the actual peasant and all that stuff, that's not really online yet. Not until we meet this, this next guy. It, it's... They aren't. Uh, it, it's it's still too expensive. Like he said, it, the, they're scumbags. There's there's basically scumbags. You give you give scumbags guns. Like there are people who would have been, probably been criminals beforehand. Like that now they have a job and just that doesn't blow through. That's that's not something that happens a million times or anything. But for the first time in a really long time, 
there's a thing that beats a night. And that remember that happens once or twice. People find out about that. They hear that. Now we can set that aside. So that that has happened, but it's not like, oh, well, that's just what happens now. It just happened like once or twice, but it happened. It's a big deal. They're not really peasants, but they're they're closer to it. This story is about this. Like all stories, this is going to accelerate really fast. I don't know if you want to start out with this. Let me start out by by naming him the God of War, Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it did. It, there was it was a ramp up to like, like the like the American Revolution happened. And so yeah, I mean. He didn't just spring fully formed from Zeus's brain or anything, but yeah, he he's the one is, that is giving is least credited with creating ma- like mass warfare as we could kind of recognize it. Like 50, 50 trends of all these things. Well, I'm sorry, we're in the story. It's the only the trends that we've told you about. Uh, <laughs> it's these things about the class structure. It's these things about these these tubes that shoot a ball at them. These guns. They all. They all happen at the same time around this guy, Napoleon Bonaparte. There's a thing, there's an entirely insignificant event called the French Revolution that happens. Yeah, and, and that that changes the relationship that people have with the state. It, it, like, I, in like again, cyclical, go back. Uh, you can see Plato complaining about this in, in, the, uh, in the Bronze Age because they, you know, the Athens Empire needed rowers. To, to make their ships move and rowers were like common people so you had to give rowers a little bit more you had to give let give them rights and he fucking hated that because that led to democracy and you know the down the downfall of, of greek society according to him so this like this this isn't a this isn't a black swan event but because of the french revolution uh napoleon it has a lot of human capital to work with yes and uh, I have to, I have to, I have to mechanic this, this uh, French Revolution. I have to change some details of the French Revolution. I, maybe I'm not changing the details to make it fit our story here. But um, so I have to make it so that the French Revolution happened because of the guns. Well, um, it's hard. No, you to do- don't. No, uh, you don't. I, for for our story here, you know, I think it, the, why it, it failed. The French Revolution failed anyway. So who cares? Well, okay, but it really doesn't. Okay, first of all, you don't have all these riots and shit back. Uh, uh, you know, you don't. You're not going to do all this shit 350 years ago. Back when it's the guys in the armor and and a, and a, versus mm. a dude, a dude in a hoe. We're already fighting in big scale. Everyone, the guns are everywhere. People have okay. got. The French Revolution was an opportunity, right? So there's riots going on all the time. And so that's the way to do it. So th- this was another riot. Um, these guys are rioting. They want rights, blah, blah, blah. But you have two, you have two, a couple things happen at the same time, and this supercharges it. Okay, so you have these rights. We want rights. We, want, we don't like the king, blah, blah, blah. This has happened before. But now we have this guy, man from the heavens, Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> now, first off, this is a guy that knows guns. He's an artillery yeah, officer. Artillery, yeah. he, and he's good at it. But, um, you know, artillery officers kind of new. You know, he, he, he's clever and all these things. He's here, and he's at a time where, like, oh, well, you know, we have this riot. We'll have to give everyone rights. Okay, so Napoleon is, like, so the rest of Europe, it, the rest of Europe is still, like, uh, you know, the army is still this feudal thing. Um, the peasants aren't, aren't in the army. Napoleon is, like, hey, okay, so we don't have nobles anymore. Everybody is a citizen. Everyone has a state in the, in the state. Uh, a stake in this, in this let's move on um uh i can give all these assholes guns more importantly they have an obligation now because they're not just peasants anymore they are they are you know you you are uh, it's a fraternity fraternity you know whatever <laughs> yeah like, with the alarm yeah, exactly. You, you, like this is something that you, not only I can't just ask you. I can I can fucking make you do this because you were in this just like me. Yeah, what's the state? It's the monopoly on violence. You said you're the state now. Yeah, but well, let, 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 more more cynically put, I'm telling you. Well, yeah, you're part of the state. You have your your point. Zero zero one percent of the state, so now you gotta go fight with the rest of us. Or the word the other way, you get these rights because 
you you're a dangerous motherfucker with a gun. You're just a schmuck. You're just some asshole. If you if you stand up in a line, if you if it, now this this is where now Napoleon's like we're gonna get a bunch of these 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 useless assholes, these useless peasants. We're gonna stand them in a line next to each other. Now you're you're a bad motherfucker. You have something to offer the state. Just like the knight did. I mean, it's just like the knight had offered the king. The the state has a good reason to make a deal with you. Uh, we, we, maybe we don't. Maybe we can. Um, you know, you, you can do whatever you you can have a little bit of rights. Maybe we won't check in on what you're reading and all these kinds of things because uh, we don't want to piss you off too much because you're kind of valuable now. If I if, if this if this state gives a French guy a gun, Napoleon gives you a gun, you can help Napoleon take over the world. Now we have patronage. If there's anything from this podcast take away the, I mean our podcast in general it's the the, the gray pill of like uh, history is huge cycles of the top and the, uh, the 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 top and the middle competing with each other every once in a while the the top will consolidate power and it'll find a way to not have a need for the middle anymore and, and usually that happens when it is able to dictate terms to the bottom and this is and it this is a very great this is a the, one of the greatest examples of it. it's like the beginning of mass warfare and that this what is from it's it direct you know from the from the emperor himself down to you you're you know Pick up your pick up your musket. You know you're, you're going to fight for me. You guys can you you are helping each other. You you are you are a dumb pleb. He's he's Napoleon. Uh, you know later on he's the emperor. Um, but uh, uh, you like you both have something to offer each other. He can go take over. Like you know what I mean. Like the relationship isn't just between like you and him can team up and go and go take other people's shit now. Uh, there, there's a saying: it's uh, you don't get what you deserve, you can get what you negotiate. <laughs> talk about patronage. We talk. We talk about real politics. The only political advice I have for you is to I want more money. All this kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, so like in a, in a, in a cold dead world where no one has any emotions and all these kinds of things, you have something that you can offer Napoleon and Napoleon has something that he can offer you. And now we have this thing called democracy. So, you know, you, you have, you have something to offer this guy, just like the knight had something offered his king. Um, and Napoleon or the state, if you'd like, or the king, if you like, has something to offer you. This is that patronage relationship, and patronage is where power. It's, it's all. It's what all politics is. The good old boys' house theory is that all politics are patronage. So let's look at this. So this this is going on in France, and by the way, like France is where the, all the rest of the story of guns goes down. It's, it's all in France. This is happening in France. Me, you, you're you're, you're listening to this. You're Napoleon. Me, I'm the I'm a Frenchman. Uh, we're we, we're making deals here. You know, we're uh, we're we're having this patronage game going on. Um, back in Europe, it, in terms of like uh, military patronage, uh, you know, it's this. There's a king. He's got a couple knights as his clients. This 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 knight has like you know a couple hundred uh, you know uh, uh, you know Serbian mercenaries as his clients. Um, you're you're the god of war, Napoleon Bonaparte. You have a whole fucking nation as your patron, as your clients. You have a whole nation. These people are these people are are, are ants to you now. You're in terms of warriors. Your your client network is a whole nation. This changes everything. This is where the moment in their story where uh, me, the the citizen. The, uh, that's, that's a new thing. Um, I'm no longer a citizen. I'm no longer a peasant. I'm a citizen. Now we have entered the age of democracy. I have Napoleon and me and this, this tube with a ball. We've created democracy, not, not some jack off philosopher, not, uh, not lead paint, lead balls, not lead paint. We, we've, we've created it. These rights, how did I get these rights? I didn't get the, was it, you know, you hear these stupid debates about, uh, uh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. They're stupid here within this podcast in these two hours, uh, you know, our rights, natural rights. Do they come from, uh, you know, uh, what is, uh, what does the jurisprudence say? No, they come because, uh, I'm worth something to you holding a fucking gun. And so you, you cut me a little slack. You, you say, we, we'll, we'll do something for you then. You're, you're worth a little bit more to me now than you were before. 
Yeah, it's a Napoleon quote. Quantity has a quality all of its own. Yes. Now, this doesn't just stay in France. That leads us to the second the, the, the second quote here. So this this happens. So now me, Napoleon, we have the thing. He gives me a gun. He gives me a uniform. He's unstoppable. He becomes the god of war, Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, he wants to go take the rest of Europe for himself. People talk about going to war with Napoleon. And they're, they're, I don't know what the, the, the exact context. They're talking about what it's like to fight Napoleon. Napoleon says, like, like, are you crazy? He's like, you, you, like, you, you can't fight me. He's like, I spend like forty thousand men a day. Like, like, I can throw away humans like they're like they're water. You have like these nobles and their cookups, and they paid off these like these stupid mercenaries and shit. I've got a fucking nation. The scale is so much bigger that, like, like war is a wrap. You're toast. Certainly no one could attack. Uh, you know, people, like, you can get lots of people to defend, but certainly no one could fucking attack France at, at this point. It's important to, I think it's important to recognize that after the, the war was over, like, this was such a, such a, th- an obvious threat. Pretty much every country, every major country in Europe, who never agreed on anything came together and just had, had made a, a, a agreement. Some of some of them were official. Some of them were just tacit. That like, all right, we got to make sure this never happens again. We're gonna have to change the way we do things so that no one like this can ever reappear. Like yeah. we're gonna have to cut. We're gonna have to cut our, cut deals. We're gonna have to chill out with our wars. Like that. That by itself was a. Uh, I forgot about. It. Yeah, we, there was one guy in the middle of the story that knew that that saw this coming. That was that poor pope that saw somebody shoot a guy with a crossbow, and he thought in the back of his mind, "You could change the class structure with that thing." Oh, let's go back to let's go back to the the, the thing in France. Well, what do you mean democracy? That there's there's no nobility and you and all this stuff. You've holy shit! You've destroyed the feudal system with that fucking tube that shoots the ball. Uh, this is a problem. Yes, it doesn't all happen at once. And immediately, first thing that the, now it's it's cl- like uh, the king is uh, his head is in a fucking bowl now. Uh, the the power. Yeah, like this. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying, but like this point, like feudalism was already over at this point. But like, what what now was on the line was like monarchies in general. Like yeah, the, like the king himself got his head lopped off and uh, by a like a peasant revolution. That model, that model, especially when it comes to the the end of the line, when it comes to producing violence, that model is too weak now. Of course, as this is happening, as this is moving, so you so you have this point where, like, you know, like that Pope thought about so long ago, every noble in Europe suddenly real, it's only real at the same time that this mother like that all that shit we were talking about this could change the class this is the, this is the end of our class system at that point every asshole in Europe in pantyhose gets on a horse <laughs> and heads and and is like we have to stop this this like we're we 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 are like we as a technology <laughs> yeah, we're done yeah we don't we're obsolete yeah and they were able to stop them temporarily and they were hold, able to hold it off for a while and then uh, so here here we've established to to our liking you know what 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 social effects the gun had so far well, and, we should well, hang on we should say real fast it's not that big of a deal but um. Uh, so as, as soon as you let this happen, even if you're not Napoleon, even if you're not, even if you're far away from France, um, uh, this is going like everyone, everyone's realizing this is going to cause a uh, what, do you, what do they call the escalation thing? Arms race. Yeah, it's going to go away everywhere because of the, this arms race thing. We can move on, but the, the point is there's uh, uh, there's a domino effect. This forces everything to happen everywhere. <laughs> So it's a stra- it's a strategy, and once it, it, beca- it once it becomes known to people, what happens is it, it enters in, it, you know it enters into the consciousness, and then a scale gets a hold of it. <laughs> we we and I, for me the the best I'm gonna say description like because it's it's horrific as uh, our civil war, and we took these basic ideas. We had two mass conscripted armies, and I think. Really, an underrated part of our civil war is how 
media played into it, right? Like, because now we've changed the relationship between the average person and the state, now now we're part of the state in a way that we weren't before. You, you can say this goes back to the Revolutionary War, and that would be true. But, like, this, this is where it really kicks in the high gear. Because now, like, uh, I'm a political actor, so uh, you need some social technology to uh, urge me in the right direction, right? And the you know the, the run up to the Civil War on on both sides was just chock full of this. It was almost recognizable the way the media worked, and you needed to do that because you were convincing people to sign up to go into a, a horrible meat grinder. People standing you know across the field from each other, shooting each other with guns that were now very accurate and blowing off arms and legs, killing you. Know, to this day, even after. Two world wars, Vietnam, whatever. There's a battle in the Civil War is the battle where the most Americans died in one day. Still, and we kind of dipped our toes into not just mass warfare but industrial warfare. There, like like towards the end of the Civil War, you were seeing shades of what you were going to see in 19, 1914, 1980. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes, this like guns are now the the king. You know, from this time period, especially like before, like uh, there, there are like uh, who's um, you know Winston Churchill. I think uh, you know he had he had he charged someone at a lance or something like when he was young. Like there was still a little bit of transition uh, period. Um, like, but yeah. everyone everyone knows now that guns are how you kill people and. The advances are coming fast. Like, there's all kinds of, of technologies in terms of guns that are invented like five places at once because everyone is just doing everything they can to get the baddest guns. There are, um, and so you have this. The, as soon as that, as soon as that that spark gets lit, when Napoleon and the citizens and and you have a, a national this mass army where you where you can have get hand a gun to everybody you go you go from like um napoleon's like early 1820s uh so by like the mid 1800s you have um uh you have repeater rifles you have uh you, you'd have like sort of the baddest gun up until we start getting world war one you, you you would have like a, a henry rifle which is i mean it's 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 not a modern rifle especially not with smokeless powder and stuff but um uh like someone could kick open the door of a saloon and shoot seven or eight people dead <laughs> Everything goes back to is it, remember this is this is a this is a, this little thing this little device is a scale scale uh, someone who's not a super warrior not a superman can take this fucking thing and kick open a door and kill seven or eight people dead. This and that that's the the ironic part. This is kind of the, be, the beginning of the end for it. So let, let's. Uh, Go beyond like you talked about Winston Churchill. You said Winston Churchill was like in, in a, a you know a lancer, literally a lancer. And mm-hmm. That's how that's how old he he goes from that to you know the nuclear bombs when his, his old age when he's prime minister. Uh, so he, he was a uh, he fought in the Boer War, and this is a interesting little side note to what we're talking about because you know the the Boers. Punched way, way above of uh, above their uh, their weight class for one for the for the reason you just said they had they had they were they were far small like it was far smaller than the British Empire and and what they could what they could afford to send there to you know South Africa to fight them but they had these weapons that could fire faster rate uh, the British didn't they had like the they had the uh, single, the old single shot rifles. They were cartridge rifles, but they were single shot rifles. And for a while, they kicked the, the British Empire's ass. But they figured out a, a workaround. We'll just round up the families of these people and put them in the camps, and they're not going to want to keep keep fighting after that. It, that wasn't a new concept, but it was kind of new for the period. And like, who who was used against? Like, these were essentially other Europeans, uh, and you weren't. 
attacking the armies in the field. You were attacking them as a people. And that's important because the technology, this, these, these weapons technology we were talking about turned every person into a weapon. Every, well, I guess every military aged man could be turned into a weapon. So you weren't just fighting one group of people. You weren't just fighting the King of England. You were fighting England. This, and this all happened so fast. Yes. Everything about, everything about the social order, you know, and now it's like, hey, is that, is that a, you know, is that a man that can hold in the, uh, there's there's another little example I want to talk about in a second of uh, the one of the one of the, the cute things in terms of I'm sure this is a bloodbath but uh, one of the cute things is that something you don't see very like really doesn't happen very often the Boers you know, they were fighting the Empire right yeah they went all in on the Mauser the Mauser if there's if there's of any guns in history that are sort of notable the Mauser is one of them you know I bought a I bought a, a Ruger uh, you know a couple of years ago it's basically the same it's basically the same design as the Mauser the Mauser was a, a bolt action rifle but uh, anyways it, it was just a really ahead of its time technology and so you had a you had a just the right kind of gun. Could, could change about. That doesn't happen very much. I don't want to overblow that, but it's one of the, the interesting things is like, oh, they just have a different gun and that wins the battle. And okay, so he, he said, oh, oh, so any man that can hold a gun, uh, you know, we will, we will have to murder him. Okay, so now it's like, wait, the guy with the the different guns and the making the guns, that's that's also very important. Well, what about the people that work in the gun factory? What about the gun factory? Is that like we're we're already there? And remember, like like just just a little while ago, it was the, none none of these people were involved. It was a knight and the mercenaries. I know, I, I know. Reflexively, I would would say this, and maybe you're thinking like, well, come on, total war, like you tribe tribal groups do, like you know, the Romans would love, you know go through a city and destroy it, and that's true, but. They were doing that like to to steal stuff and to 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 personally benefit from from looting and pillaging and you know other things that they did. Uh, it 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 wasn't pri- primarily a, a strategy for, for for to win the war. The way that we're we're approaching the time period where like that becomes the end goal, like uh, d- destroying the 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 place that you're conquering has always been kind of a, a nasty side effect. And it might be a reward that you gave to your troops. Like, Hey, you guys can steal all the stuff, take all the slaves you want. And this is your reward for fighting for me because you're not getting like, you're not getting a big paycheck for this. Like this is like, this is, this is your payment. That's not what's happening here. This is like, we're, we're targeting, you know, we're targeting the people of this country to break their will to fight or, you know, physically just fucking kill them. And that was kind of the poison fruit of, you could say mass warfare, but I'd go further and say mass politics itself. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's not just, we're not just having a dispute between the president of the United States and Saddam Hussein. It's like, it's a war between Iraq and America. Yes, it's 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 a to it is a total war in the most literal sense. Things like genocide. It's hard to emphasize this, but the the scale just rockets up immediately now because there's these things and they'll fucking kill you. Back to the beginning of back to the very beginning when we started, we talked about uh, it's really scary to die and all these things. Remember this this is this thing has become this dangerous killing machine in no time uh there was one one example uh like like the mousers with the boars there was a um custer everyone knows the story of custer this is one of the great stories of uh, american history uh there's another name for the 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 native americans called uh what's the american name for the battle little uh, big little big horn i don't know the battle of little big horn I, I know the I know the battle a little. I don't know what the natives call it. Oh, oh no, you sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I was asking what the the Americans the. That's what I, we call, but they have another name for it. Yeah, the battle of Greasy Grass. Okay, sure. So uh, one <laughs> they, of the, they won the battle. Sure, they can call whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and, and uh, so you know you have a U.S. Army, um, the Army for whatever reason. Uh, uh, for a variety of reasons, but they were wrong. They were flat wrong. 
Um, they they thought that the best gun available was these single shot rifles. It was much more powerful. You put one bullet in at a time, and it's really strong and it'll blow your brains out. Um, you gotta understand too, and this is kind of a side. Like the quartermaster in, in during the Civil War and, and even after, like they did, didn't want to spend money on on newer stuff. Just like uh, some of their obsession with those single shot rifles was like just being cheap. Too. Yeah, well, it, I guess it's hard to say because they they wrote down in the books that they thought it was they uh, yeah because it, it was much more powerful. But the the thing is, it, it a little bit will do you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't take much. Um, this was this was uh, you know the uh, the Indian tribe there. They had these Henry repeating rifles, and this is one of the uh, interesting things is uh, they all, they went in all these Henry repeating rifles. Uh, a guy. You know, you could be in the 1880s and stuff like that. Um, you could have this Henry repeating rifle, this lever gun, and it's—I mean, it's not an AR-15, but it's damn close. Yeah. If you know how to, if you if you can work that lever real fast, and there was, uh, and they knew how to do it. They uh, there was a point in the battle where they lured they lured all the um, they lured a, a big force of the Americans into a small space. And they like they like stop and uh, these Indians they, they they stopped aiming they were and they just they just started whipping the, the 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 levers as fast as they can and they just sort of this is like the, cl- the first this is like the first uh, incident yeah. of what we would see a lot coming in World War One where um, people were just getting mowed down yeah. you you know aiming at somebody and they just got mowed down. I also have this, the Civil War brought, and that period of time, because there's questions about who invented it first. Like the machine, like literally invented the machine gun. A gun that, like, that could, they were hand cranked like a coffee, coffee grinder at a time, but it was the same basic principle. And like, like I said before, this was the, this was like the poison fruit. This is the, this was the thing that, uh, initially created, uh, this opportunity for, people to change their stake in society but it also closed the door on it eventually because well as as the technology improved the weapons vastly outpaced the need for people to man them mm-hmm. and we they found that out in world war one uh where the war started using pre-war tactics where like you know a, a, like a rifleman was the basic unit of combat and uh Towards the end of it, it was kind of realized it's this is a battle between who who can produce more stuff. That's that's what this comes down to. Who can produce more stuff? And uh, we entered that era in the early twentieth century, and uh, we're still in it. Yeah, and as guns become as you go into World War One and go World War Two, that's sort of as our story trails off. Uh, at that point, the the gun. Is is only is only replaced by the the bigger fucking gun, the artillery. Artillery is the same thing. It, it's just it's just a bigger tube and more more gunpowder. And um, the those it's important what, what you mentioned there in terms of um, uh, so with the Napoleonic battle, those those guns weren't very accurate, and so you know you as a citizen being able to hold that rifle and point in direction that was really that was really important, especially because you only got one shot every so long. So there wasn't really much difference between a guy who was like a real badass and like and an ordinary person because you only shoot once every couple minutes anyways, and you don't. It's not really accurate. So that's why they used to line them up in the big lines of people because you're just you're just putting lead in that direction. Um, once, once you start, once you, uh, by the time World War One happens, uh, you know America already knows this because of the Civil War, but Europe hasn't really had a major battle since uh, the time that everyone has got their hands on smokeless powder. Everyone has these basically modern rifles where they have smokeless powder, they have cartridge mag. They, you don't have to stuff a ball in there. And uh, or, or or change a percussion cap. Uh, now these these are modern guns, and it's there's a lot more to it than just standing there and holding this thing. Yeah, in our pop culture, especially in the like the 
part of the 20th century where it became obvious that this that era was over a really popular theme was like western tv tv shows and movies right and the dream of like the western is that you can be one man you can go out into the under the prairie whatever with like a you know a winchester rifle by yourself and uh you can hold your own a grizzly bear in indians bandits whatever like that, that gives you the means to, you know, protect protect yourself to to be be a law unto yourself, and that was like the like the the high point for what that technology could 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 give to you under under the right circumstances, and I don't think it's any coincidence that like the, that form of entertainment was most popular. In the fifth, like the thirties, forties, fifties, you know, after World War Two, oh, after World War One, rather, when it became obvious that that era was over, and this is like this is a, a war between industrial powers uh, where people are. We still had the propaganda of you know you have a, you have obligations, you have responsibilities, you have a stake in this society, but you were no longer necessarily the 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 best the best weapon uh you 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 had to be you had to be there like physically to occupy space but once again there was a type of there were types of technology and they changed but the the directions always it's always been in one direction which is returning control to like elite professional professional soldiers who have now it's gadgets rather than horses and armor, but they have these things that you can't really compete with if if, if they're willing to put their full force behind it. You can you can kind of you can you can eke out a win if they're not really invested that much in it. You know if if they're not willing to <laughs> to to you know take like five percent of the casualties that you take, you can still win, and we see that happen. But like those are wars that. You and I have discussed. They might not even really want to win. Like, do they? Do they want to win Afghanistan? Like, that's a legit question, right? Yeah, um, that, that that's very complicated. Yeah, right. But I'm saying so. We're kind of uh, we're, we're, we're now we're kind of back at the night stage. Yes. Um, and so the, part of that, like uh, when we talk about the, the the technology advantage and stuff, one of those things that me and you. You listening to us, or Merrick, or like that? We that we, so remember we're we're trying to to bargain with this. Like you said, we're back in the night stage. We're bargaining with this thing. We're bargaining with the state, bargaining with the king, we're bargaining with the night. What we have to sell, and um, so you know we had that we had that great run where um there were like the best thing that you could have was just uh, the guy holding this musket. As you start, everyone knows about World War One. Uh, uh, like there, there, you know, everything stopped with the trenches and stuff. And the the one, the the main story everyone hears is the tanks broke it, but you sort of get the the first the first notion that what's really breaking it is professional soldiers, and you you we don't have that. I keep you and I you listening to this show. You like um you can't dedicate your you can't dedicate yourself to being a warrior. Uh, like the way the stormtroopers did, or or the way like um, infantry is. I mean, to this day, infantry is still most important part of warfare. But a modern infantry guy is uh, th- this. This just has no relation to a citizen soldier. This is this is someone. They're they're they just all they do is combat. You like you and I. We're nothing. We're, we're nothing like this. Um, you know, you could guard your house, AK forty seven or something, but we we our comparative value to the state in terms of uh, what we can offer, or is is very little in terms of this. Um, you know, this crackpot theory that that the government is violence and uh, everything is these patronage relationships. Since at least the seventies, our the American Empire has gotten along without conscription. And that by itself, you know, we can you can talk shit about how uh, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq were prosecuted or whatever. But I mean, they they did they did successfully invade Iraq and and, and like overthrow the government and I mean with shit. But they they did it with a with a pretty small professional military. They don't they really don't need us anymore. Yes. Uh, so, so the conspiracy theory here is that you you have a little point value 
of uh, you know how much you're worth and because of holding this gun, blah, blah, blah. There's a funny little uh, version of this. They'll maybe kill, make it clear to you. Um, you know, one of the, everyone these days is bitching about white women, bitching about <laughs> feminism. You see, there's, uh, they're just very cringe. and um, uh, Feminists are a pain in the ass. Um, you, you know, there's uh, the history of feminism. They have their, it's like the first stage and the second stage and the third stage. Mm-hmm. So let's go to this uh, good old boys, uh, uh, whatever the gun episode is, the total view of history. All that's bullshit. The difference between the first stage and the second stage and the third stage, that was, um, those were just breaks where they were, they needed you, they needed uh, these guys to go hold a fucking gun. <laughs> yeah, that makes me. Yeah, you took a break after first wave feminism to to go yeah. give guys white flowers for being too much of a pussy to go die in the verd- in the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, the yeah they just stop bitching and like, oh, please go kill the Nazis for us. Oh, we're so scared. Oh, you know we we um you know uh we don't we don't want um uh you know to uh, grow our armpits out or anything uh, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna ba- uh, bake you guys cookies and all this stuff. <laughs> Boom! Uh, you know you 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 know your gra- whoever uh, you know your grandfather shipped out to the war. He didn't have to listen to this. Uh, yeah, as soon as they get back, now all of a sudden third wave feminism goes, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you, you can see it. Uh, so the, I mean, the, but there's there's a real serious uh, message here in the. Um, if any of this that we said has any validity, I don't know if it does. Um, we don't have this deal with our rulers anymore. All this shit that, that made everything so great in the West, um, uh, this was negotiated. They didn't give us this because of, of some of uh, uh, some bullshit um, categorical imperative was invented or or Rousseau's concept. This was this is just. It's, this this is just a cold deal, and, and and we don't have very much to offer at this point, and that that this should it should concern you. Yeah, we're now an army of consumers rather than whatever else you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go down a real dark road, think about well, you know, if I was uh, let's imagine that there is somebody, there's a thing like a king, there's there's some kind of people that that rule the United States through abstract means or whatever. What do what 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 my value am I to them? What do they get out of me? What what do I have to offer them? <sighs> yeah, especially when you start thinking about geopolitics stuff, it's scary because it sure is like uh, you know, in the twentieth century there was there's all this brilliant liter- literature and art written about that the uh, that all the states saw you as the only the only relationship you had was you were you were going to go die in a ditch for them somewhere and you know. Guatemala or or at the Somme and that that's all you were. Well, one thing you can say is uh you aren't that anymore. Making their way the only way they know how. That's just- 